Welcome to the Horror Writers Podcast, where the pen is mightier than the gore. Join me, your host Jay Thorne, as I discuss writing and publishing horror using strategies that work for all genres. The Horror Writers Podcast keeps it lean, delivering concise information to the aspiring author. Well, uh, welcome to the Horror Writers Podcast, and this week I have not only a special guest, but the first guest on the show, and this is author Richard Brown. Say hello, Richard. Hello. And uh, Richard's going to uh, introduce himself here, and then um, I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. Yeah, uh, I'm an author, as he said, obviously, and I started writing a pretty long time ago, about when I was about 12 years old, and I started off writing song lyrics, and I moved on to poetry and short stories, and then eventually tried my hand at a novel, and it wasn't very good. But I, I kept with it, and that was back, of course, in the days when, when traditional publishing was was running the show, and there was no self publishing, and and I kind of went away from it for a little while, and and then when I heard about about the big you know push with indie publishing, I decided to dig that old novel out and publish it, and just see where it happens, and that was I want to say it was 2011. So since then, I've just been. Uh, putting out new books and learning and getting better. My uh, most popular series is Dead Highways. It's a uh, post-apocalyptic zombie story, and it's doing pretty well. And just trying to get the third one out right now. Yeah, and Dead Highways is a is a great read, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Can you let people know uh, maybe how it's a little different than some of the other zombie stories they've read? Uh, yeah, I, when I started it, uh, I didn't want to, there's so many zombie books out, you know, and I didn't want to just do the, the usual thing. Uh, most zombie books, they, they tend to have like a, a military guy and he kind of knows everything. And I wanted to do something different if I was going to enter this genre that's so crowded with, with people, especially with the walking dead so popular and everything. I wanted to somehow, you know, different, differentiate it, it from the other books uh, and so my character, he's very, he's like a nerdy kid, uh, doesn't really have any friends. He lives with his grandmother and works at her like used bookstore. So when the apocalypse comes, he has no idea what what to do. And he, the book's written in first person. And so he's kind of, it's, it's basically, it's, it's like a very conversational tone. So it's like somebody sitting next to you telling you a story. And some, some readers really like that and other readers, they just don't get it. And so I noticed my views tend to be either people love it or hate it. And I expected that when I, when I started the story, but, but yeah, so it's very fun. And, and he has, it has sort of a zombie land kind of vibe, uh, kind of think of it as like Jesse Eisenberg from, from zombie land kind of narrating like the walking dead or something. <laughs> so the story is very, um, serious actually. It's a serious story. But it's told in sort of a funny, quirky kind of tone. Yeah, it's definitely got a great, witty, tongue-in-cheek kind of uh, approach. And I, it was it was a first time I read anything like that in the genre, and I I just thought it was really engaging. So, um, so if you're listening out there, you got to go check out Dead Highways. Yeah, there's a few other authors that, that kind of go that direction, but it, it it definitely seems to be you know different, and and that's what I wanted to do. Excellent, excellent. Well, we struck up a conversation online and we 
discovered that we have a, have a lot in common. And so uh, I know that some of the reader or some of the listeners of the podcast, uh, of my podcast, have found that I've really kind of focused on marketing strategies and some tactics. And, and they're not necessarily related to the genre of horror or dark fantasy. Uh, so this podcast in particular, this episode rather, is really uh, is going to be about horror and dark fantasy. So whether you're an author or a reader who happens to love the genre, um, you're in for a treat today because we're gonna we're gonna really talk, go a little deeper on really sort of why we believe or our theory on why uh, people enjoy dark stories, uh, whether those stories are novels or um, or songs or movies. Uh, people like them for a reason. So um, that's we're going to kind of bat that around today and, and see what we can come up with. Uh, that's kind of where we are. So what do you think, Richard? You ready to do this? Let's do it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, maybe we could just start to talk about, uh, you know, what do you call, how do you define a dark story? Um, yeah, I was thinking about this. Horror, to me, is probably the most personal, maybe, of all the genres. Uh, if you notice, it usually seems, seems to uh, center around like one person, uh, you know, their thoughts, their fears, you know, what makes someone human. Um, a lot of other genres, like maybe science fiction, it's it's about exploration and, you know, where civilization is going or could go. Right. And technology and romance, you know, it's, it focuses on relationships and love. And, and in, in many ways, it's kind of a fairy tale for, for a lot of, I think, readers. Uh, maybe it sets bad expectations too, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and then, you know, thrillers are, are about keeping readers excited and on a, on the edge of their seats where horror it's, it's really about like self-exploration, you know, the things maybe most people wouldn't want, you know, other people to know about themselves. Mm. It gets really much more deeper. And I think uh, it, it may be part of the reason why the genre, you know, it, it is really popular among, uh, tight group of people but it has a hard time really expanding outward is because you know it does really focus on who you are and getting kind of deep into you, the emotional level you know that's a good that's a really good point uh we talked uh previously about Stephen King and how he's really become an outlier i mean he's yeah. he's his own thing now he de- he really doesn't represent horror as a genre mm-hmm. uh and and the fact that real i mean let's be honest horror doesn't sell nearly as well as most other genres. And if we were in this to make money, we'd both be writing romance. Uh, yeah. so it, that's not really, it's not really what it's about for horror. Uh, and I, I think you're onto something there, this idea that it, it, it's really personal and mm-hmm. the challenges that the characters face can be pretty raw. And, yeah. and, you know, maybe there's a certain type of person that, uh, a person who just doesn't want to feel that you know maybe it's maybe it's too painful or it cuts too close to the bone yeah i mean like stephen king like you brought up uh i know you know he's always said that he writes about his fears and you know like one of my favorite books pet cemetery from what i understand he moved king moved to a, a house that was very close to like a busy road and he would be concerned about his son uh being like hit by a car or something and that's pretty much the plot of Pet Cemetery. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's the book that really was sort of the impetus for me 
to not only become interested in horror as a genre and, and a lifelong reader of it, but to start writing it as well. And that, and I read that before I had a family, before I even understood sort of yeah. what what was at stake. But the, I think what was really captivating for me as a reader, even I think I was maybe thirteen or fourteen when I first read that story, was you could see it coming a mile away, and mm-hmm. and I think that. Uh, that's something I'm really working on in my own writing is this ability to sort of tell the reader or show the reader what is going to happen. Um, but, but it's, it's almost like a, a cruise ship coming into port. Like, you <laughs> know, eventually what's going to happen and, and, and it's painful waiting for it. And for Pet Cemetery, I think we, it, I don't want to be a spoiler if you haven't read it, but uh, I think once you understand the concept of the story, you kind of know what's going to happen <laughs> and you know, it's not going to end well. Yeah. The, the plot definitely didn't surprise me, it, but what surprised me was just how well written it was. I mean, I was just, I was just, when I finished that book, I was thinking, man, if I could write anything that's, that's half as good as that, I would be happy. Yeah. Um, it's really simple, isn't it? I mean, the, the idea yeah. of the story is simple, but like King, he just masterfully like plants these seeds like in the early going of the story that just blossom later yeah he'll be like like the main character was like has all these conversations with this guy across the street mm-hmm. and this i think his name was judd or jed or something oh right yeah you know how i'm talking yeah yeah and this guy would say things to him like little lines and he wouldn't they didn't really make sense at the time but then like later on he's burying his son or something and all of a sudden it comes to him mm-hmm. and it was like the foreshadowing in that book was just tremendous and and horror if you can foreshadow like that, I mean, that just keeps you, it really like raises the, you know, the, the hair on the back of your neck. Yeah. It, it's, that's the tension. And I, yeah. I have to give credit, uh, to my editor, uh, Rebecca Dixon, who was the, she sent me a, a list of, I think it was Kurt Vonnegut's eight rules for writing. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I think I've heard of it. I have. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Vonnegut's he's, you know, he's, he was a master and, uh, I think one of the rules was uh, if if a if a cockroach eats the whole book, um, your reader should be able to finish the story. So this sort of idea that you, you you're foreshadowing, you're not withholding from the reader that that boosts the tension as opposed to uh, that helps with the tension. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Even though you know what's coming, it almost makes it a better read. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, it wasn't it wasn't a surprise what happened, but it I was I think I was surprised in the way his writing made me feel about what the characters were doing because mm. it would if you watch the movie, it seems like ridiculous that this guy would keep burying things, <laughs> you know, considering what happens to him, you know, they they wake up and they start, you know, they go crazy, but in the book it makes sense, like you understand because you're inside this guy's head. And like I said, horror is so personal, you know, that you really understand his thoughts and his fears and what he's thinking and how he's just trying to bring these people back. And he feels guilty, you know, mm. for, for having moved there, for for not protecting them. And and I, I remember reading that King's wife, this was like the only book she never finished because it was that kind of personal for both of them. Right, right. Yeah, I, in fact, I don't know if I were coming to that book now. I don't know if I could read it, sort of yeah. knowing the story. I, I I could as a kid, but I don't know if I could do it now. It, it really is 
it's just one of those nerves for me. Certain, you know, people have their own triggers, um, whatever it happens to be graphic violence or, or certain scenes or whatever. And I think that one, that would be a trigger for me. And I'm not sure I could read it now. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, warn against writing about, about children and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of people just don't want to, don't want to think about that, you know? Right. Right. But I think as a writer, maybe, uh, writing this type of fiction is kind of like a form of therapy, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, like King writes about his fears, you know, we're all sort of getting these addictions out on the page instead of, you know, destroy us in our daily lives. Right, right. Yeah, therapeutic for sure. Right. I think that's a good, uh, you, you talked a little bit about um, movies and that that's another place where um, I think there's, from a main, mainstream perspective, that, you know, a, a lot of people don't understand why people would go to scary movies. And I don't mean scary movies as in like the silly scary movies, but fright, frightening movies, right? Like why why would someone go and pay money to sit and see something horrific? Uh, what, what do you think about that? I think I think for movies it's more about about just being scared about uh, you know that feeling when you're sitting there in a movie and and the character is like walking down a hall and you just kind of you feel very tense, like oh your muscles tighten up, you know, and you just kind of wondering what the hell is going to happen. And and I think people like that sort of excited feeling that they get from that. Uh, usually most horror movies, for me, either tend to be just kind of silly. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're not scary. They're just, they make you laugh, if anything. Like they're, and, and, and but when they can do it well, it's, it's amazing. And I think that's the thing about whether it's movies or writing, horror is, is difficult to write. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to write, and it's really easy to write bad. And I think a lot of writers, they you know, they read guys like King, and then they, they go, oh, I'm going to write a horror book because you know, Stephen King's really popular, and they think it's going to be easy. So you know, they, they put out some, some horror book, and it's just they, they didn't understand what makes horror so good. They, right. they just think it's about just you know, graphic, but like you said, graphic violence or just killing people or whatever and to me it's more of more more personal it's more about the character and what's going on inside their mind than it is just about kind of those like hostile or saw kind of movies mm-hmm. where you know it's just like what do they call it torture porn yeah 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 no i i totally agree with that uh, i remember I, i've written about this on my blog before but i i'm a huge fan of the blur witch project and i remember when that came out there were, uh, it was very polarizing. You know, uh, a lot of people thought it was just stupid. They didn't get it. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, this is not, this is silly. It, you know, it's not scary, but I, I grew up in, in Western Pennsylvania and I had woods, uh, at the edge of my backyard and I spent my entire summer playing in those woods a lot of times by myself. Yeah. And so, and so for me watching the Blair Witch Project, it, it was, it was terrifying and even more so in that you never really see the the monster mm-hmm. and i think that's a br- that's brilliant storytelling i think when you can instill that type of fear and terror into someone and they never get to see the face of it um that that's really an art and it's so hard to do yeah and like you said i think that for different people you know you bring whether it's a story or a movie or whatever you bring your own experiences into the theater you know 
And so what scares one person might not scare somebody else. If, if you're used to playing out by yourself in the woods, that's, a, that's something you're bringing in that other people might not have, you know? That's right. And you see that too. Uh, I, at least I see this in my, in my reviews or uh, in some feedback I get. And, you know, two people will read the exact same story and one person will say, this is, I couldn't put it down. It was the most frightening thing I've ever read. <laughs> and someone else said, like, this just didn't engage me at all. Yeah. You know, and I think you're, I think it's because what you're saying, you know, you're, you're sort of bringing your own experience to the page or, or to the theater. Yeah. I don't mind those reviews. Like I understand that people aren't going to, some people are going to like it. Some people aren't the ones that really get me are the ones that say like, uh, they talk about, there was one that said it was too gory. I'm like, it's mm. a zombie book. Like, <laughs> what did you expect? Right. Or, or, or the ones that complain about, I had one guy complain about a, a sex scene. And other mm. and people complain about cursing, and it, it just amazes me because, like in Dead Highways, there's a lot of violence, there's scenes of torture, there's uh, racial slurs, right? Uh, they're not from you know good guys or from bad guys who say it, right? But, sure. But there's all these other things, right? You know, people getting killed, and yet the thing <laughs> that bothered you was a sex scene, or right. the thing that bothered you was was a curse word. And a, it, to me, a word is a word. It's just it's just language, you know. Right. There's no such thing yeah. as a bad word to me. Right. Uh, yeah. I I think I try to. I, I really don't think about those kind of reviews uh, because, in a way, I think, well, you know, the true horror fan or, or the person that really understands this genre is going to skim right past that. Yeah. They're not even going to give that a second thought. No, I agree. Those reviews they they don't really matter. I don't respond to those. The only reviews I would respond to is if they maybe ask me a question or something like that, or they just said something that was completely infactual. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those reviews, I mean, like you said, I don't think anybody really gains anything from them anyway. So, and now that Amazon and stuff has allowed people to leave two word reviews and stuff, uh, I imagine there's going to be a lot of skimming going on. <laughs> yeah. And who, I don't, we'll have to see how that plays out. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't imagine they're going to keep that for, for very long. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's almost uh, it's almost binary. You know, you almost have to really ratchet it down, or you have to leave it wide open. And I I don't envy Amazon in that regard. No, uh, trying to trying to manage that and sort of please all the different people who are, who are involved in that process would be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's shift a, a little bit. And uh, one of the things we discovered when we uh, started talking online was uh, we we share sort of a passion for for music and enjoy it and and what I'm calling sort of dark darker themed music. So uh, wonder if you could maybe talk a little bit about some of your favorite bands and and why they're your favorite bands. Um, I actually like like a lot of different kinds of music. It depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Uh, but I really started liking. You know, heavy rock, uh, old classic stuff. You know, when I was younger, I don't know if I was influenced by, you know, my dad listening to it or, or you know, the days of MTV when they first kind of came on the scene in the 80s and I was, that was when I was growing up. So mm-hmm. the video thing and the, and the hair bands and all that stuff uh, is where I kind of, <laughs> kind of started my music journey. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... 
I, I like a lot of different stuff, and I think depending on the mood, you know, I'll go different ways. Uh, some of my favorite bands are Tool, uh, Pink Floyd. Like I said, I like a lot of classic stuff, The Doors. Um, yeah, and 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 those guys like like Tool, for example, are to me they're they're one of the they're one of those groups that in a way like horror, they a lot of people don't understand them. It seems like they're a love hate kind of group where either people are really, really love them or people just don't don't get them. And and they're willing to just do whatever it takes to tell the story. You know, in this case, in their songs, uh, they could have a two, three minute long song or they could have a 15 minute long song. And they're not about sort of succumbing to the pressure of what society or, or what the industry is telling them they need to do. They're willing to go out there and do their own thing and in many in many ways i think horror has a lot to do with that horror is about g- going in a direction that most people don't want to go you know oh absolutely and you talk about the mtv era and tool i mean you and you think about their first couple music videos and oh yeah they're almost <laughs> like a horror movie right <laughs> a little bit claymation yeah right yeah well yeah. i remember those videos were yeah they got me with that that first well, I guess it was their second album, Undertow, but mm-hmm. but yeah, those vi- those videos were cool, and they're still still doing weird stuff like that. <laughs> but I'm always amazed when I see them. I've seen them live so many times, like five, six, seven times, and and they can sell out a place, man, like a big yeah. arena. Uh, I've seen like like really large, you know, acts like Ozzy and stuff like that in the same arena. And Ozzy would have people opening for him. And then I go see Tool and Tool has like some, you know, Japanese group that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> you know, they always pick something really weird because that's just kind of who they are. Right. And it's almost like they do it just to annoy people. Right. <laughs> and but they, they, it's like the place is sold out and it's like a it's like a, a stadium, you know, like a, where, where basketball players play. <laughs> and I'm always amazed because you don't hear them much on the radio and you don't, you know, you don't see much about them and they kind of keep quiet. You know, like you said, they don't, they don't play on TV really. They don't put themselves in their videos and, and then that, that just goes to show you how rabid their fans are. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Uh, you know, you, you talk about sort of their, their approach is just so different. And I, when I was in my last band, we, we called it, you know, we, we called the tool approach. You know, we didn't, necessarily want to put our faces on everything and our faces on the cover of the record and um you know tool is very mysterious yeah. and and they leave it up to you to decide to to interpret their art and you're right there's a lot of people who don't get that they just want to be told what it is mm-hmm. and and because they they aren't told what it is they don't like it yeah uh, but i think there's something really intriguing about uh about bands like tool and i i think to a certain degree you could probably uh ministry and and nine inch nails are probably in that same category as far as kind of doing what they want to do and not Mm -hmm. necessarily conforming to to what the industry or mtv wanted at the time yeah i always wanted to be that kind of that author too that was mysterious and and that you know nobody really knew who he was and the problem is obviously it seems like now the the general idea is well you need to be out there you need to to be connecting with people and you can't be the mysterious guy if you want to sell books. Uh, 
but yeah, I always took that from Tool that, you know, like you said, they always kind of did their own thing and they didn't conform to what every other band was doing, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a million Godsmacks, you know. Right. And and I think that's what's made them so popular and why people are willing to wait six, seven, eight years in between albums is because they do their own thing. And I kind of take inspiration from that in my own work that, you know, be confident about what you're doing and don't try to just follow the herd. Yeah. And that's a, as, as writers in horror and, and dark fantasy, I, I think that's as relevant today as it's ever been. I mean, as I said earlier, um, you know, romance is really hot right now and it, it's, I it's wish I could right. write romance, but, oh man. Yeah. It's hot and steamy. <laughs> Not the kind I write. The werewolf stuff you write? <laughs> no, I don't write that. I have a friend that writes a really great werewolf, uh, paranormal romance, uh, Angie Adams, but it's not me. <laughs> but, well, uh, now we know what your pen name is. Oh, no, no. She would be so upset if she heard that. <laughs> of course she will now. But, uh, but I mean, in, really, I mean, you look at the charts and it, it is all about romance. And so if you were... You know, if you were writing for the for the paycheck and that's what you were wanted to do, uh, clearly that would be the path that you take. But horror is kind of the kind of the redheaded stepchild of <laughs> yeah. of the industry. You know, like even on Amazon, trying to find the the horror list, uh, it's buried like three or four links deep, as opposed to all the other genres are kind of right out there on the left hand column. And horror, you got to go through like you know literature and fiction, and then down to horror and and. I don't know. It, it's definitely it's definitely not mainstream, but I think I'm okay with that. Well, do you think there's a? I mean, as you know, most from, at least from what I've uh, read, most readers are women. Um, yes, maybe eighty percent, as far as I you know have seen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that so explains a lot of the romance. But do you think that there's something about horror that just would appeal more to men than women? And you know, that has I a think- lot to do with it. I think that was my assumption when I first started. Uh, I thought I was writing to myself. You know, I had I had sort of this image of uh, some middle aged metalhead, and he was gonna like just love these stories that I wrote. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm sure there are there are middle aged metalheads that love my stuff, but I've I've found for the most part my my audience is really middle aged women, and I think that's because. They uh, first of all, they read. You're, you're absolutely correct. I think it's an overwhelming mm-hmm. percentage of, of uh, readers are women, uh, and, an, and an overwhelming percentage of uh, people in, in the United States are non-readers. Like I think only two of people uh, in the United States read one book last year. Right. So, um, so you're, you're talking about a really small slice. But the other thing with, I think, with the women uh, readers is they're more open-minded and. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they read a lot of stuff. And so it's not unusual for someone who likes one of my books to also read, you know, paranormal romance or, um, you know, Harlequin or whatever, you know, it's not, it's just not that unusual. There's no stigma attached to it. I think if they have a book, they have a book and, and they don't really care what, they don't care who sees what they're reading. Right. And I was surprised too. And I, you know, I see my mailing list and probably at least 75% of the people on there are, are women. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I can't, I, I was surprised that so many women were reading dead highways. Cause like you, like you, I think I went into it expecting my reader to be one person and, you know, I was kind of shocked when it turns out to be some, but it's really cool at the same time, you know? Uh, it, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's really cool because 
I think every author would say the same thing in that when you first start, you're writing for yourself. You don't have a platform. You don't have an audience. You're kind of you want to read. Uh, and so if, if I'm a 43-year-old male and I'm writing this story that I want to read, but it's also of interest to these other cross-sections of the population, especially women, I think that's super. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're not in, in, interesting to women, I mean, then you're probably not going to be selling very many books. Because like you said, I mean, they're buying most of the books. I think with, with post-apocalyptic type stuff like, like Dead Highways too, uh, it, it helps that, you know, like The Walking Dead is, is so popular, I, mm-hmm. you know, the TV show. And it, it's gotten a lot of a lot of the viewers are women. And, and, and that's really helped bring women into that sort of genre that maybe 10 years ago women wouldn't have really been reading zombie fiction as much. But now it's like a, it's like, you know, I think we talked about this before, uh, off the air, uh, the, the the zombie genre is really kind of its own thing now. It's not, I don't even really consider it part of the horror genre anymore. Right, right. And I think a lot of that, uh, I I don't know whether The Walking Dead is a, a consequence of some change or if it a catalyst of some change, but there's some really strong female characters on that show. Um, and I, I think that's sort of influenced my writing as well. I've found myself really developing what I consider to be strong female characters. And, oh yeah. Especially in horror. Uh, m- yeah. And maybe that's it, you know? Because, yeah. Because yeah. So I mean, many it's... other, uh, uh, horror movies or books, it, the female is, you know, the, the damsel in distress or whatever. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, helpless the, victim, right? The hot, yeah. the hot girl who, who dies, you know, just to, <laughs> to satisfy the audience's thirst for blood. But <laughs> They're not, they don't, you know, they're not intelligent. They don't know what they're doing. And, and like you said, I think, you know, writing strong female characters is very important. Absolutely. And as, as someone with a, a mother, a wife, and a daughter, I'm, yeah, you I'm don't, all you for don't, You don't have any choice. <laughs> you don't want to, I don't know if your wife reads your stuff, but you don't want to be sleeping on the couch. <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. Well, I'll tell you what, Richard, we're coming up on about 30 minutes here. Uh, and one of the, you know, one of the things with my podcast is I try and keep it somewhat manageable for the listeners as far as length goes. So I'm wondering if you had any uh, sort of closing thoughts or anything you felt like you wanted to mention before we kind of wrap things up. Um, no, I mean, I'm just working on finishing my last, uh, not last, but my third book in my Dead Highways series and uh, hoping to get that out next month. Uh, and if anybody wants to check out my stuff, they can go to richardbrownbooks.com or search for Richard Brown on Amazon or wherever they shop for books and uh, or send me an email. You know, I'm always willing to talk to readers or other authors, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. That's great. I'll uh, in the show notes, I'll put all the links to Richard's stuff. So if uh, you're listening and don't worry, you don't have to worry about writing it down. I'll get it in there and. Uh, Richard and I are in a in a box set together right now. Uh, this is the N three. It just came out. Well, come out two weeks ago. Yeah, now, yeah, the first, first I believe. Yeah, it's doing it's doing well. I was checking it today. We're we're coming close to the uh, around one thousand on the paid store in Amazon. So uh, and you know going going very well. So if you'd like to support that, and uh, I also opened up a uh, Patreon page. So if you'd like to support. Uh, the podcast uh, in the show notes. I'll put a link to Patreon. It's a really cool website. It's kind of 
kind of circles back to the days of Shakespeare when artists had patrons, but uh, instead of having one patron handing you, you know, your, your salary for the year, you can get a thousand people kicking you a buck an episode or something. So check it out. Uh, there's a lot of other great artists on there too. I know Joanna Penn just recently um, put a Patreon page up for her, uh, the Creative Pen blog and podcast. So, uh, so check that out. All right. Well, Richard, I'd like to uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great not to talk to myself <laughs> for a, a whole yeah, show. That must be difficult. <laughs> and it was really cool to talk about some some of the very interesting elements in this uh, genre that we write in and that we enjoy and especially with the music and, and the movie. So uh, thanks. Thanks a lot for yeah, coming. I mean, on. I've enjoyed your show, so I was happy to come on and thanks for having me. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Horror Writers Podcast. Uh, leave a review on iTunes if you feel so inclined and I'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you.